Hi, and welcome to the Sailorville Church Podcast. My name is Abe Miller, along with John Nemers. John, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Abraham. Good good, to be here. It's good to be here with you. And um, yeah, John is our church planter with Eden Church. Mm Mm-hmm. Tell us a look, give us a little bit of update on how that's going and where you guys are at. Yeah, things are going great. Um, we are we got a lot of plates spinning, but by God's grace, we are moving forward right now. The big thing that we are doing is getting the team together. We've been doing a lot of interviews, uh, and God's those have just been super enjoyable. It's really kind of cool just to see how providentially God's just bringing this team together. And obviously we're not on the ground yet, but I mean, from our human perspective, it really looks like the team's coming together in such a cool way because it's like, we're going to a specific place. So you're going to need a specific type of people to be there. And yeah, it just seems like God's doing something really cool. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's kind of where we're at right now. Yeah, and this is the seventh seventh church seventh plant, church plant. in right. the Engage Network. Yeah, yep. Yeah, can the, whoever comes uh, whoever comes two churches from me better be uh, careful because you know what they say seven eight nine. So, <laughs> oh wow, <laughs> get wow. it. <laughs> that was a joke, everybody. In case you didn't catch that, <laughs> that's my dad joke coming oh, up. Oh wow. <laughs> Got nothing to say to that one, do you? I, I don't. I was just thinking back to when, <laughs> when you were in high school and we were meeting, and um, it is it is crazy though to think about that. And uh, we, you were what seventeen, eighteen at that time when we started hanging out and meeting yeah. together, and yep. now you're planting a church and preaching on Sundays, and yep. it's just crazy. It's super cool to see that. Did I did I ever meet? with you before I became a Christian? I don't think I did. I mean, not like one-on-one or in that Bible study. I think it was like right after I became a Christian because I I got saved when I was 18, and uh, and then I was like super jacked and super just pumped about everything, and I went to coffee with you, and you, having known me for since I was a little kid, and especially right. through my rebellious years, you're like listening to me describe my new passion for Jesus. And you're like, and for me, because for me at that point, I thought that I just got my life kind of back on track, mm-hmm. quote unquote. And you're listening and you're going, uh, John, it really sounds like you became a Christian yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a couple of months ago. And that was like my light bulb moment. Yeah. I'm like, holy smokes, I just got saved two months ago. <laughs> yeah. And then I think we started hanging out yep. pretty often. Yeah, Which it is, is so cool to watch your maturity and growth from yeah a little boy through high school mm-hmm. to salvation to you know even just being an intern here coming on staff here at Sailorville then doing the church planting thing and and then even the growth within your preaching mm-hmm. uh has just been super cool to watch and is fun I'm excited to see what's going to happen in yeah. the future with Eden Church and so if you're listening to this, be praying for Eden Church and for yeah, John for sure. and the and the core group that's getting together. When do you guys when do you can what's the kind of the timeline schedule? Yeah. yeah, so right now we are gathering the team up. We will start meeting as a team uh April thirtieth is kind of our first um core group meeting. And then we'll be meeting throughout the entire summer with a this is kind of penciled in, it's a tentative date, but we're looking at like September seventeenth as kind of our launch date. So we got the whole summer to uh, just uh, really vision cast and 
get the team together, get our culture going and, and do evangelistic stuff, get out in the community and get some momentum and, and then hit the ground running September 17th. So should be fun. Should be good. That's kind of the game plan so far. In, in North Des Moines. In North Des Moines, baby. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Very cool. We're really excited about that. So, yeah, you kicked off uh, on Sunday. You kicked off from Grief to Glory, our Easter series. Mm -hmm. You were the first one, and uh, you asked the question, who do you think Jesus is? Give us a little bit of the, just a quick overview of the message, and then we'll kind of jump into some questions here. Yeah, so we were in, so the next four weeks, we're going to be in, like, passion narratives, kind of heading towards... Uh, Jesus's death and resurrection for Easter Sunday. And so I was kind of tasked with opening up the series and it was kind of um, what, how did Jesus anticipate his suffering? Um, and so my mind went, you know, back to the Old Testament and how um all of the prophets and all of the writings from the Old Testament, they all pointed towards Jesus. And you know, I was actually just reading, I should have put this in my message, but I didn't read it in my devotions until yesterday. Um, Acts 4, when Peter uh, and John were talking to some people, this is right before they get arrested by the for the first time by the Pharisees, they start giving this whole message on how the sufferings of Jesus were all portrayed by the by the prophets. And it was just, that was essentially was my motive behind why I chose Mark eight, um, which is Jesus's first, uh, statement to the disciples, uh, that he's going to suffer and die. And, uh, it is his first of three, but yeah, that was kind of when they turned and they started to head towards Jerusalem and Mark's gospel. He's very intentional about saying like this from here on out, this is headed towards the cross. And so that was kind of my motivation to go. This would be a great starting point because this is where Jesus kind of started it in the Gospel of Mark. So, yeah. Yeah. The <clears throat> This is not something we normally ask on these podcasts, but, you know, you guys do a lot of study, you do a lot of prep, you do a lot of praying, you dig into a lot of stuff. But we've only got, you know, 30, 35-minute messages yeah. because of the time crunch and the services and stuff like that. But... As you studied through this, what was there stuff? I mean, what was the stuff that you didn't add? What was the stuff you had to take out that you were like, man, if I had 10 more minutes, I would have loved to dig into this or 15 oh, yeah. more minutes. Like, Was there stuff that you kind of had to drop to the side just to get it yeah. in there? Yeah. I mean, you could you could preach a whole series on just that one text Uh that we went through this past Sunday. I mean, I immediately, my mind goes to the context, even in just Mark eight, where you have like the super fascinating story of Jesus healing a blind man twice. Uh, so he heals the blind man, he spits on his eyes, he rubs them. And then the blind man's like, I see things, but people are kind of like trees. So I don't really know. What, and then Jesus has to heal him again. And so you know, you're kind of looking at that and you're going, what is this, like, Jesus, did he run out of miracle juice at that point? Like, what's what's going on? Um, but really the whole context is just portraying how the disciples see Jesus. Like, he's doing this kind of to help the disciples see and understand, because up to that point, it was like this giant mystery, like, 
man, like I know you're the Messiah and all the crowd, the, the people who are surrounding Jesus at the time, like they knew that Jesus was the Messiah, or at least they're catching on to that fact. Um, but they had this giant misconception as to who the, who the Messiah was. And that included the disciples as well. Like they, they really did think that Jesus, he was going to be the new David that's going to come in this military power. And, and Jesus is slowly but surely like showing them, like even the chapter right before, or maybe it's chapter five, I can't remember. It might have been chapter five at the end of Mark five, where um, they're on the boat and uh, Jesus calms the water completely. And the last thing that you say, the last thing that the disciples say is, who is this guy that mm. even the storms and like the creation obeys him? So they're still asking that question, who is Jesus? Yeah. And then you get to chapter eight, you have the feeding of the 4,000. And still they're like, Jesus, we don't have enough. And he already fed 5,000 a couple chapters earlier. And so now they get it to, you know, the 4,000 and they're like, well, what are we going to do, Jesus? And he's like, oh my goodness, seriously, guys? He even I can't remember exactly how he phrases it, but it's almost like you can sense his, how he's like, oh, well, how many loaves do you have? You know, like Hello. little children, uh, what do you think? Like how many loaves are you? And they're like, oh, we got a couple. And and then he does this miracle. And and then you come to the uh, uh, the healing of the blind man. And again, it's just a picture of who the disciples are. They see Jesus. They see Jesus, but in a blurry way. Mm. They don't see him clearly, not yet at least. And um, uh, and then it, in the next passage is kind of the, the linchpin of the entire uh, gospel where you have um, Jesus saying, hey, who, who do people say that I am? And, uh, and then they're like, well, they think you're Elijah. They think you're the prophet. They think you're John the Baptist. And well, then who do you think that I am? Well, you are you are the Messiah, you are the Christ. And, you know, Jesus is like, yeah, you're exactly right. But then the next passage is the one that we went into. Yeah. So then you have, you you get it, but you don't get it at the same time. And I think that's one big thing is just the context. But even, um, like, what I was really, what really gets me excited uh, about that text that just never made the message just because, you know, you can only fit so much into it is this this overarching narrative of the Bible that you you have to move towards what looks like death in order to find life. And that reality is all over Scripture. Mm-hmm. You know, you have the Israelites uh, in front of the Red Sea, and God's like, hey, you have death behind you. That's Egypt, and they're like about to come and kill you guys, take you guys back into slavery, and you have a giant sea in front of you, okay? Uh, And what I want you to do is I want you to get up and move forward. Mm -hmm. And the Israelites are like, what are you talking about? Like, that looks like death. There's nothing but death in front of us. And God's going, no, do you trust me? You, You move towards death, what looks like death, in obedience to what God's telling you to do, and what you're gonna find is life. And then you move right through that, and you get to Sinai, and you get to you know Exodus 19 and 20, and you get the Ten Commandments, and you get this amazing story in Exodus 20, right after the Ten Commandments, where um, Moses, there's you know you get the cloud, the, the 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 fire, the pillar of fire that's been that's been following them or leading them up this far, went goes up the mountain. It's the presence of God. It becomes this horrifyingly you know smoky lightning fires going on 
And and the people right after the Ten Commandments are like, oh my goodness, this is so scary, Moses. We're staying back. We don't want to do. We don't want anything to do with this. If you're gonna, if God's gonna talk to us, let Him talk to us through you. And Moses is challenging them. He's saying, no, guys, guys, like this is this is where we need to be. We need to be in the presence of God. And so you see God, or you see Moses entering into the smoke, entering up the mountain and into the presence of God um, while the Israelites are staying back. And, uh, and it's just a beautiful picture that w- what does Moses find in there? Well, he finds life. And if you move forward a couple chapters in Exodus 24, you get the elders, like 70 of them, that go with Moses it, into the mountain, into the cloud. And what they experience, again, they're going in towards death. And what they experience in the cloud is they see, they look up and they see the whole sky is like the floor room of God's throne. It's really a picture when you go to Revelation of like the whole the whole floor of God's throne is like emeralds and whatnot. You see that in Revelation? Well, that's right there in Exodus 24 as well. And they're looking up and they move into death and what they find on the other end is life. And, uh, and of course, we see that played out in Jesus' life. He went to death and what that ended in was... Well, he's opening up life for everyone. And now he's saying, if you want to follow after me, you have to do exactly the same thing. Move towards death. Die to yourself. And what you're going to find in the end is life. And didn't know how to fit that in there, so it didn't make it. But, you know. I wish those of you listening could see John's face right now. His <laughs> eyes are big. He's smiling at me. He's moving his arms all over. And you, you are. You're passionate about it. You see it. You're understanding it. You articulate it so well. And it's just exciting to to listen to you even talk about it. But that that is, you know, my question is, the, the, main, the first point you had was following Jesus is fatal um, from Mark Mark 8. And... and um, I was talking with my guys group last night in our community group, and we were talking about, you know, if you've grown up in the church, this this phrase, die to self, deny yourself, take up your cross. I mean, it's it's a lingo that, you know, we've kind of heard, you know, you grew yeah. up in church. We've, we've heard this stuff since we were kids, yeah. if you've grown up in church, and yet it's a very, it's a very provocative statement yeah. and when you think about it and what that looks like. But, you know, denying self— die to live, you know, you had said the difference there, but like, what does that actually, you have to die to live. What does that actually look like to lose your life, to deny yourself in a practical American culture? I mean, you guys are, you're going to Eden church. You're calling the core group to, to move, to live there, to, to move houses, to move comfort. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. so this, this message really plays into where you guys are at personally and the core group going to Eden church. But a lot of people are, comfortable. They are yep. secure. That is kind of what people live for. And just, I want safety. I want comfort. I want security. Yeah. What does that look like for someone? How do you say that to somebody today to die to self, mm. to live as, you know, you got to die yourself. What does that look like? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think so much of it has to do with chasing after a greater reward um, and I, again, you talk about something I didn't really get to hone in on and, and that's such, that's the hardest part about preaching is like, you just can't hone in on everything. Yeah. And sometimes it's better just to cut out a bunch of things and hone in on one thing. Um, but that was one of them. That was one of the kind of, 
where I flipped it and said, hey, you know, that following Jesus is not a burden, it's a blessing because he fills you with purpose in this world and he fills you with rewards in the next world. Um, and you, you walk through Hebrews 11 and all you're going to find is people living this radically devoted life that was full of suffering and sacrifice, right? Abraham, pick up everything and leave your family. He didn't know where he was going. Right. Why did he do that? Well, because he was looking to a greater reward. Moses, ditch Egypt. That's the modern day America right there. Like ditch all the possessions, all the pleasure, all the power in the world that you have. Uh, you have it at your fingertips. And the dude lived on, he basically, his his grandpa basically owned the Vegas Strip. And he just walked away from it, right? I mean, like, that's literally what he did. He had every every ounce of pleasure he could want at his fingertips and just walked away from it. Why? Well, because he was he didn't fear the king, the edict of Egypt, uh, or the, the pharaoh of, uh, in Egypt, um, because he was looking towards his greater reward. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. That's Hebrews 11, 27. Mm. And you walk through all of those Hebrews 11 people and get to the end and you get people being sawn in two and yada, yada, yada. And why? Well, because they're looking towards their reward. And who is their reward? Well, just flip the page in Hebrews 12 and you see um, now looking to him, Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, uh, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's our reward. Jesus is our reward. And, uh, and so I think that it's so easy to just be so um, earthly-minded. And, and to a point, it's, I don't blame humans. Like, I do it all the time, and we do it all the time. Like, it's a lot of work to think of eternal matters, um, and really just go like, what, like, I have a very short life here on earth. Why am I investing so much in comfort and safety and, and, and pleasure and, uh, in this world? And I think that you can really make the argument that the more you do here on earth for the glory of God, which is inevitably going to be dying to yourself. That's every aspect, serving your wife, um, being a good parent, uh, you know, being a good uh, coworker, being a good boss. You know, it's, it affects every aspect of your life. How do you consider others as more important than yourselves? The reality is every second that you do that here on earth is, is gaining for you eternal rewards in heaven someday. Um, 1 Timothy 4, 7 through 9, I think, uh, talks about how, you know, you should, you should uh, um, you know, s discipline yourself because uh, not just physically, because physical discipline has some value, but, but spiritual discipline has eternal value. And then he makes this little statement, uh, not just for this life, but for the life to come. Um, and so I think you can look at that and you go, okay, so how I die to myself here on earth um, will affect my eternity in heaven. And how I understand that, what I understand that to mean is that you get to experience more of your reward. And I think you can make the argument that your reward is Jesus. So in heaven or, or in the new heavens, the new earth, eventually, you are going to experience a more intimate 
relationship, understanding of who your Savior is um, in heaven, which is wild to think about. Um, that doesn't mean that you're going to be you know, a better person in heaven because, again, you will be sinless, so you will not look down on anyone in judgment, yeah. nor will anybody who's coming in under you who chooses to, you know, be a Christian, follow Jesus, but kind of like, you know, live a worldly life and not really chase after their eternal pleasures. Like, I believe that they will have a lesser reward. I think you can make that argument pretty clear in Scripture. They'll have a lesser reward in the new heavens and the new earth. Um, but when they come into heaven, it's not that they're not going to be looking up on anybody with with jealousy, because again, they're sinless, you know? So I think that God is super, obviously super wise in how he planned things out, but he's very purposeful to go, hey, hey, it's worth it, okay? You're coming into to glory someday, and it will be worth every single second, every single blood, sweat, and tear that you give here on earth is going to be worth it in heaven someday. So work like crazy. In fact, in that first Timothy 4 passage, I think it is in verse 9, Paul says, and so to this end we work and we strive. So he made the connection. I want to, I want to train myself up for, for strength here, spiritually speaking, for this life and the life to come because I know there's going to be a reward and that reward is going to be Jesus. Oh my goodness, what do I do? I strive really, really hard here on earth to kill myself every single day and kill my sin, kill my desires, kill my selfish ambitions. And uh, yeah, sometimes that means going out on call. What does that look like for you, though? Like, give us give us some examples. I mean, I'm sure as you were studying this, you were asking, you know, yourself, what does that look like in my life? Yeah. Where am I dying to self? I got to preach about this. Like, what what does that look like for you and just the person listening to this to say, I don't even know what that means. I don't like die to self. I mean, what? Yeah. How, how do I die to self? I don't know how to do that. Yeah. My mind immediately just went to um, how I deal with people because I'm looking at the example of Jesus and even just in the context of the gospel of Mark, Jesus himself is saying in Mark 8, how do I, uh, well, he's telling people die to yourself and then in chapter 10, verse 45, he's making himself as an example. Like he, he's talking to the disciples, the disciples, as they often did, were bickering back and forth about who's the greatest. Yeah. And you get James and John uh, saying, hey, who can stand it, sit at your right hand or your left hand? And again, they're going back and forth. And Jesus is saying, look, guys, if you want to be great, you got to become weak. You know, if you want to be strong, you got to become weak. You got to be last. Even the son of man did not come to uh, be served, but to serve. And uh, and then, as I mentioned in Philippians 2 as well, uh, so I, I guess that's where my mind went. Like, how do I how do I actually consider others as more important than myself? I feel like when you have that scripture, like just playing over and over in your mind, it 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 just affects almost every conversation you have. Um, when you're dealing with people just because we are so naturally prideful and so naturally selfish. And it's like, well, I really want to get this statement in. And so like this whole week, it's been like super convicting as I'm even just talking to people like, okay, like I'm about to say something, but I, am I actually considering this individual as more important than myself? Um, Maybe not. Uh, You know, obviously with, I got a wife and five kids. And so the super practical ones are like, go home and serve them, you know, yeah, even yeah. the son of man 
did not come to, to be served, but to serve. And so you serve them and you literally just kind of flip that switch when you're getting home from work and you're going, no, this is like, this is another, another thing I'm doing is another job I'm doing. So yeah, I think just specifically with relationships with people is kind of where my mind went, but you could take it. I mean, that's everyone's mind is going to take it somewhere else too. And that's good. That's a part of the wisdom journey is you got to think about it. You got to sit in the text and go, where is this affecting my life and where do I need to work on this yeah. more? Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. The, the other, the other statement you said was um, chase Christ, not comfort, mm. which was in there in that section. Um, and I think that's a, I don't know. I've heard that from multiple people in the last several weeks, just about comfort and our, our quest for comfort and, you know, the whole safety yeah. thing. But um you, you said something in there like, you know, the disciples, they, they, we thought we would get power, position, yeah. I think of comfort or whatever. Yeah. I don't know what the other one was, but um, I guess what, what is that, what does that look like for people today in America specifically that, yeah. that is, that is like the, the thing that you, you hear people say like, I crave comfort. I want comfort. I don't want to be uncomfortable. We do everything we can to be comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. I, that was kind of one of those, um, those interesting realities of when you're thinking about the disciples journey of understanding who the Messiah was and why was it, you know, you ask that question, why was it so hard for them to grasp, uh, the reality of who Jesus was? And in fact, they didn't even fully grasp it even after he rose from the dead. I just saw this the other day. You know, they're in Acts 1. This is after the resurrection. Jesus is already risen, and he's about to ascend into heaven. And again, they ask him, so when is it, Jesus? Like, when are you actually going to set up your kingdom? <laughs> Jesus is like, dude, it's not for you guys to know. <laughs> um, so again, there's like that interesting reality of progression. Uh, but either way, to your question, um, I think that uh, the disciples, they, they wanted Jesus to set up a kingdom. Uh, and through that, you're extrapolating a little bit, but this is what the Jewish mind would be thinking. Through that, the Jewish people would become prosperous. The Jewish people would have safety from their, the people who were uh, oppressing them at the time, which was the Romans. Uh, and, uh, so you look at those and you're going, okay, so they would have, they would have safety. They'd have possessions. I mean, that is what, what the American culture screams for is like, mm -hmm. we just want, we want our kids to be safe. We want, we want our kids to be prosperous. We, we want to be prosperous. We want to be safe. We got to move to places that are, you know, all of those realities. And, and I don't know, going back to the whole idea of God's calling us to something bigger, um, I think that has to go through our heads uh, when we make our decisions and you're going, okay, why am I making this decision? Is it because I just want to be comfortable or is this because God's calling us to something? That doesn't mean like, it's not saying that God don't go to the suburbs because that's a comfortable right. place. Like God absolutely could be calling you to the suburbs. Um, but I think those are just good questions you have to ask. Like, are you doing this because this is what you want? Or are you going in obedience to where God's calling you, which very well could be uncomfortable? Yeah, and I think in in our 
and when we're comfortable, it's easy to rely on ourselves. I think a lot, like when I think of uncomfortable situations, it makes, it makes me rely on the Lord mm. because I'm, I'm outside of my comfort zone. I'm outside oh. of what I know. I'm outside of, I don't know what to do right now. I don't know oh. how to handle this. I, I'm scared. I'm, I'm anxious, right? You know, and I need to run to the Lord and say, okay, Lord, you've called me to this. I need to be obedient to this, even though I wouldn't choose this on my own. Yeah. It, it's what God's called me to and yeah. what he wants me to do. And that I think a lot of times we run from that. And I, I think we do miss, miss out on uh, the blessing mm. of like what God would have taught us in those things, even yeah, though sure. we, we go down that path of like, yeah, but this and this and this and this. Yeah. And, and it's not um, maybe not what God wanted us to do. Yeah, for sure. And that, and that comfort. So the other, the other, point you made, the second point was following Jesus is not a burden, it's a blessing. He's calling us to a full life. Hmm. So the question I had with that is, what does what does a full life mm-hmm. look like? Yeah. Because I think everybody wants that. I mean, you talk to people and they're like, I feel so empty. I feel so alone. I feel yeah. so scared. I feel like I have no purpose in life. And, and you know, you're essentially saying the opposite. Like, yeah, look, yeah. At, look at what Jesus gives us. He gives us a full life. What yeah. is that? I guess, and, and really speak to the listeners and like encourage what would be an encouraging word in yeah. that, right? Because that is, at the end of the day, yeah, what we want. And we want yeah. to follow Jesus and be obedient and have a full life yeah. in Christ. Yeah, I think that's the probably the biggest, one of the biggest misconceptions about Jesus and being a Christian is that, I mean, it's you read passages like this, pick up your cross and deny yourself. And no thanks. Go die. And you're like, <laughs> oh my goodness, this is so hard. Is that what I signed up for? Yeah, exactly. And it's like, I, I, yes, that is what you're signing up for. But like the weird reality, the weird paradigm shift that you have to have is like, this is actually what's best for you. Um, you know, I think like a simple analogy would be, you know, why do people diet? They don't diet because they are you know, they just love not eating sugar. You know, they don't diet because there's no temporary pleasure in eating pizza. They they deny themselves temporary pleasures to experience uh, better pleasures in the future. And like, I think that's, you look at life in general and you see that all over. And I think God purposely yeah. has done that because he's saying, look, this is this is my kingdom. Like this is the eternal kingdom. I'm asking you, to put away temporary pleasures to experience eternal pleasures. Um, John Piper, one of his, one of my favorite lines from his is, "If Jesus is your treasure, then submission is your pleasure." And now you could twist that and go, um, "If Jesus is your treasure, then death is your pleasure." Right? I mean, it's it's so rewarding to live this Christian life um, because God is like you know, it's it's. It's catchy to use the Joel Olstein phrase. God, you know, he's after you. He wants your have you to have your best life. And to an extent, I actually agree with Joel. I just don't think I mean it in the same way that he does. Like he thinks it's right. through possessions and wealth and prosperity. And I'm saying that, and Jesus is saying that actually your greatest life is if you deny yourself. Your your most fulfilling life is going to be following Jesus. Um, so yeah, I think one of the most impactful things for me, um, with the blessing part, um, and this was like the point, there's some points when you're writing your message that just stick out to you more and they're more, um, just comforting to you was, uh, the fact that Jesus is 
always right next to you Mm -hmm. um and and picking up helping you pick up your cross because he's not calling you to do it flawlessly he's calling you to do it faithfully uh like i said and um yeah just that reality of of peter um denying jesus and you get that picture of you know this true follower of jesus who denied him and in in mark's gospel specifically you get that little hint at the very end where the angel's like here's what jesus wants he wants he wants you to tell the disciples and he also wants you to tell peter because he's hurting right now he's not picking up his cross perfectly and uh and that just shows you the heart of your savior right there like what if christians what if christian uh followers actually believed that jesus uh forgave them of their sin (laughs) right like what if they actually believe that like what would their lives look like instead of beating themselves up to a bloody pulp over their guilt why not trust the one who actually was beat to a bloody pulp for their guilt right it's like this is this is why jesus died he died to pick you up and to keep you going to be faithful be a faithful follower of jesus and um yeah, I think that was the most impactful one. And, and for me personally, like when I'm, this is a new kind of shift for me in my preaching and just my understanding of shepherding and whatnot, is more often than not, um, Christians do not need to, uh, I mean, they do need to be challenged, but more often than not, they need to be encouraged when it comes to uh, Sunday mornings, because they're coming in, they're beat up from the world, they're beat up from their own sins, and they're coming in and they're limping around and you know they're hurting. And so when I was writing this message, it's like, okay, this is kind of a downer message, like die, 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 yeah. die to yourself. Um, how can I, how can I encourage God's people? Yeah. Because this is like God does want them to be encouraged, and and that was one of the biggest reality. Um, realities to that passage is like yeah he's he's gonna help you out along the way he's not gonna leave you on an island this is not a god who says he's not the boss that goes hey um i want you to do all this even though i've never done it before like everyone's had those bosses i've had a boss like that that he's he's in the office he's doing nothing he's on his computer playing solitaire and we're out there sweating away and he's like oh yeah by the way pick up that box as well and do that right. he's the boss that's like no 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 i'm not going to ask you to do something i haven't done myself like i've done this i've picked up my cross and i've died and and i'm asking you to do the same and i'm going to help you out along the way so i think that was my biggest encouragement for the for the message that that statement that you said, Jesus is not asking us to follow flawlessly, but faithfully. I, th- I, th- I think that was encouraging. It was encouraging to me, and it was encouraging to a lot of people because it is, we, we somehow believe the lie that says, chase all these other things that we somehow think is going to give us the blessing and the comfort and the security, right? And it's all, it, it all kind of comes to an end. I mean, we were talking about this in our men's group, you know, mm-hmm. we, we play that game when we when you were little, you know, like if I can just get that bike, mm. then my life is going to be great. We play that all through our childhood and in through our teen years and into our high school years. If I just get that car and if I just get that, and then we get, you know, just get the house. And then yeah. if I can just have kids, I mean, it's, it's always something, right? We're always looking for the next thing, the next little high that's going to satisfy us. And yet I love this phrase because it, you know, following Jesus is not a burden. It's a blessing. We're, we're 
where we have to believe that. Like mm-hmm. that is the question. Do we really believe that? Yeah. Yeah. That that I think a lot of times we would say we give lip service to that, but even in my own life, I can say, yeah, I don't know. I think I sometimes believe the lie that says, oh no, 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 this this thing over here yeah. is gonna give me the fulfillment and mm-hmm. the blessing instead of being obedient to Christ and dying to self. Um, but I love that phrase that you said, not following flawlessly, but faithfully. Mm. And that was even what Andrew said uh, two weeks ago, right? Tychicus. And you mentioned that. And I think that that just encourages people because it's, we are flawed people. We do mess up. We're not perfect. And yet I can be faithful, right? We can, we can have faithful people that, that yes, screw up, repent, Mm -hmm. ask for forgiveness Mm -hmm. and move on. And that's a faithful follower. Yeah. I think so much of this continues to go back to like your eternal rewards. And uh, when you think about faithful servants like Tychicus, which is why I loved, I just loved Andrew's message. Yeah, it was really good. Tychicus is just this no-name guy. And every person, every Christian on earth should be able to say, I'm Tychicus. Yeah. I'm a nobody. And yeah. if you think you're not Tychicus, well, then you're probably <laughs> you something wrong with you. You know, you're probably <laughs> a little more prideful than you think. But like, this is, this is who we are. We are, we are a bunch of no-name servants. But the reality is that, I can't remember how somebody said it. He just said it in a very pithy way, but um, something along the lines of there are going to be a lot of rock stars on earth who will be, you know, with very little rewards in heaven. And there are going to be a lot of nobodies on earth who will have a lot of rewards in mm-hmm. heaven because this is what God's calling you to. He's not calling you to fame and notoriety. Yep. He's calling you to faithfulness. He's not calling you to do it perfectly. He's calling you to do it faithfully and yeah, you have to imagine that somebody who is quick to realize their flaws, quick to repent, quick to turn back to Jesus, and dependent on the gospel itself, that that is just a beautiful sight and a beautiful, and just the, the smell of that to Jesus is just amazing in heaven, I'm sure, as he takes your, takes your requests to the Father mm-hmm. to forgive you, wipe you out, swipe that, you know, debit card of, of grace and just, whoosh, yep, you're forgiven. You came to me again in faith and you better believe it. I'd love to forgive you. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, and, and those people... The, the, I love the fact that, you know, you're not going to get tons of praise. You're not going to be the hero. And I think a lot of times that's what motivates people is mm-hmm. I need to be recognized. I need to be seen. I need people to say good job. And yet I think we have to continue to remember, like, God sees my heart. He sees yeah. what I'm doing. I don't need the praise of men. Yeah. Right. Because I'm not, I'm, I'm, Serving the Lord. And at yeah. the end of the day, that has to be my heart yeah. posture to say, God, you see it. You yeah. know my heart. You know the behind the scenes. You've seen the little things. You know my motivation behind what I was trying to do yeah. there. And I don't have to try to get the praise. And, yeah. and, and that just that's exhausting. Yeah. Do we actually believe Jesus in Matthew 5.11, blessed are you when people persecute you and revile you and say all types of evil against you? We go, no, heck no, that's not being blessed, that's being cursed. And God's yeah. going, no, are you kidding me? Like in my in my eyes, when people hate you because you're a Christian, that's a blessing. And you're you got, you know, how did he finish it? 
you have great rewards in heaven mm-hmm. waiting for you when people hate you on my account. And yeah, we don't, we don't believe that. We think it's the, we believe, you know, in the, in the worldly mindset that no, it's all about, it's all about this life. It's all about people liking you here. And who doesn't fall into that lie? You know, I do all the yeah. time. Yep. I want to be liked. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. This is really good. Give, give uh, just kind of one closing thought to the listener just that might just be struggling. You know, they're, they're living for comfort. They're living for stuff. They're, they're struggling with dying to self. I mean, they're all about self right now. That what's just a, what would be an encouraging thought or word as, as you look through this passage and this message that you could just leave us with and really enjoyed this conversation. It's been really good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think the incur- the biggest encouragement I can give you is just look to Jesus because he, I mean, that, I can't say it better than Hebrews 12. Look to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. So we can too. Um, your Savior, he knew he was going to die. He knew he was going to go through all of this for your sake, um, and yeah, I think just the biggest encouragement is that he is, he, he, he has put his spirit inside of you and he will cause you to walk in his statutes. I mean, it's a promise from God. Um, so he will finish the work that he started mm-hmm. in you. Uh, he will continue to pick you up as you fall because you will, you won't do it flawlessly. Uh, but he can help you do it faithfully. Um, and then just believe, just really actually believe that um, that the temporary pleasures of this world are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed to you. Uh, it's just the eternal weight of glory that's, that's, that's coming to you is so much greater than any type of glory that you could get here on earth. Um, as Jesus himself said, you know, you look for the praise of men, that's all your reward is just that. So... If it is something you really want to find your reward here on earth, then I guess eat it up while you have it because that's that's it. Mm. You don't get anything else after that. Um, so get away from the temporary mindset. Um, look towards the eternal mindset as you do in other areas of your life. There's a reason why you save up money. You know, there's a reason why you diet. It's look to those things as hints as C.S. Lewis would call them, clues to the meaning of the universe. <laughs> Those things are God whispering to you right. like, hey, I'm telling you something here. Pay attention. And part of this is there's something far greater for you if you die to yourself and you continue to pick up your cross, deny yourself, and follow Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. Yeah.